Well, today is a very special day because we have a guest speaker in the house. Uh, we've invited Pastor Chris Estrada to be with us. He's been with us before. He's a friend of Westover. He is someone who is here to bring a timely message about how we can step into the purpose of God. And I just want you to open up your Bible, but more importantly, open up your heart to what God wants to speak to us. And finally, can you help me give a warm Westover welcome to our friend, Pastor Chris Estrada. Wow, what a huge honor it is to be back at Westover. How are you doing this morning, church? That would have been good for maybe a weaker service, but I see some strength in the room. How are you doing? How are you excited about being in the building? God touched your life. He's still moving in America. Come on, anybody got any hope? Yeah, there it is. I knew we just had to uncork it just a little bit, but I am extremely honored and humbled to be right back here with some of the nicest people on the planet. I tell you this all the time, but I think some of the nicest people on the planet come to Westover Hills. Come on, not just grateful. We don't have no mean church folk up in here. I also say this to you every time. You people are spoiled rotten up in this church right here. You got incredible worship. Come on, give it up for this team. Come on, all the students and the student pastors, those serving in kids ministry today. I honestly think it's an incredible reflection of quality leadership. And do you not love your lead pastors? Come on, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Danae. Incredible. The mantle that's on you guys is so, uh, it's very clear that God's hand has been on you for a long time. And uh, watching the journey both privately and publicly, I'm just so grateful that we've got voices like yours and a team like this that's moving a church in America forward. And of course, we cannot forget to honor the incredible Pastor Jim and Pastor Denise. Come on, do you love your founding pastors? Just true, true father and mother in the faith, definitely in this region, and uh, I just honor them. Have had, have spent many of late nights in this back area in his office just asking question after question, ministry, the Bible, Israel, and just by the end of it, I've got a page full of notes on my phone and I'm rethinking my entire life, my marriage, my finances, everything. And that's just what he does. He's a great shaper of people. But I can't think of a better place to be than right here at Westover this morning. Um, I did not come alone. I brought my oldest son with me. He's right over here. Uh, Elisha, would you stand up and say hi? This is my son, Elisha. He's with me. And I, he found uh, like a good friend, a, a, a special friend um, here at Westover. And uh, her name is Brianna. Uh, we call her Bree. And uh, so Elisha and I have been looking forward to this weekend for obviously two different reasons. But, um, uh, but it is such an honor to have him with me. So would you bring that up here? I got to tell you a story before I jump into the message. About two years ago in October, I told my kids, I said, uh, hey, you're not getting Christmas presents this year. And of course, my one of my kids said, well, well, well why not? Are we broke? And I was like, well, you are. I'm not, but you are. And, uh, and they said, well, what, why not? And I said, because I feel like God wants to stretch you in faith in your finances. I mean, the worst day for most students is life without Wi-Fi. All right? So, like, I want to I I expand your, your faith palette. And I said, so we're going to take the money we would have spent on your Christmas gifts, and we're going to give that towards missionaries and pastors, ministries, and movements across the planet. And, uh, and my kids, they sewed into different uh, areas like the Dream Center. They sewed into Israel. They sewed into the pastors. And we took pictures of whoever they sewed in, put it in picture frames, wrapped that, and that's when we unwrapped Christmas morning. 
And so it was pretty powerful. The next year, fast forward one year, um, it's October again. And I said, hey, we're going to do Christmas again. And the sigh of relief to hit the room. They were like, oh, thank God. I mean, it was pretty special. And they sa- I said, we're going to do Christmas, but your birthday's this coming year. You are not going to get birthday gifts. In fact, you don't know this, but I just signed my four kids. The four of you up, I use your names, not your mom and I's. And they are uh, needing you to build a 25-kid orphanage in India. And they need you to raise, uh, give them 600, I'm sorry, in six months, they need to get, you need to give them $38,750. May God be with you. That's what, it, and there, I said, so you're going to take the money from your birthday present and start pushing it towards that. Well, that wasn't going to cover it, so they got real creative. And they said, Dad, can you contact so-and-so? He's a designer uh, for some of these major labels, some of these major artists like Taylor Swift and Justin Bieber and a lot of these, and he can make t-shirts around yours and mom's messages uh, that, uh, uh, and music that she makes that we can sell, and then that money can go towards this uh, orphanage. Well, I'm happy to report, in six months, my kids were able to raise $38,750, and they just broke ground on that orphanage today. And... Um, you know, I, it's my pleasure as a dad to stretch my kids both mentally, physically, and spiritually. And we still have some of those shirts available. We have this one right here, Habits, all about spiritual disciplines. Uh, that's what I look like in the gym every morning. So good looking, so good looking. And then, of course, we have this one off of a message we preach called Fearless. And I just love this one. Come on, isn't that fresh? You probably saw someone on the stage. That's dope. This is the new heat. This is the new drip. You don't want to sleep on this. All right. And then, of course, uh, there's this one right here, Fueled by Fire. Come on, this is, this is strong. This is strong. These are available. Now, Saturday night, ate these up, and I didn't realize that we brought three whole bags of shirts. It's not normal for us. I'm going to give these back to you. Uh, so please go and pick them up. If you sleep on it, that's on you and between you and God, not me. All right, don't get mad because I didn't bring enough. But one resource I do want to point your attention to. Do I have any parents in the room? Where are the parents at? See, oh, yeah, that's what a pandemic and a summer break will do to you right there. You're like, I don't even want to, I just got here to get free, to get away. I just dropped them off. I just wanted 45 minutes to myself, you know. Come on, parents, make some noise. Where are the parents at? Yep. I think... Out of every area of influence, I have been in Hollywood. Uh, we are connected to tier one global icons. I have been uh, in the highest places of power, both in legislature, in education, in business. I have been in palaces. I have been in boardrooms. And I am fully convinced the most influential person on the planet is not a president. It's not the number one on the wealthiest of the Forbes list. It's not even the top celebrity or sports. The most influential person on the, pa- on the planet is a parent. I believe that they are forming and shaping, building and chiseling. And I think a lot of times we don't know how to parent. Let's be honest. Half the time, parents, let's just be honest. We don't know if we're helping them out or messing them up. We're going to figure it out on Oprah. You know, like there's going to be, we're finding it in therapy, right? The truth is, is that I believe that uh, in 2 Corinthians, it says you have many teachers, but not a lot of spiritual fathers. And I believe that there are a lot of spiritual direction that needs to take place in your own home. And I have found that a lot of parents have, have left the raising, whether known or unknown, conscious or subconsciously, to schools, to coaches, 
uh, uh, to social media when the truth is he gave those kids to us. They are our children. They don't belong to any system. They don't belong to any thought. And we have to be incredibly intentional about the way we raise our kids. And so that is why we wrote Limitless Influence. What does the Bible say? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is it is my job. I thought for many years as a pastor, even as a parent, it was my job to make sure that I could manage my kids' mistakes and sin. That's not my job. That's not my job. My job is to teach them how to manage their freedom. Because there will come a day when they move out of my house or they go into a secular situation or they move out of my covering and if they have not understood how to make decisions, how to cultivate character, how to develop a, a godly holiness in their life, then they will succumb to the cultural pressures and ideologies of the day. But let it be said that the parents at Westover were raising an army of revivalists and were leading them to limitless influence. And so we wrote this curriculum. This is all on video. And you can access it here with all the information in the back, but it's a workbook you can journey through. If you, are, if you, have, something, uh, if you have something called a teenager in your house, a kid in your house, I want to invite you to pick up this curriculum. Because not only do we walk you through on how to call the gold, the destiny, the greatness to the surface, but we teach you how to confront the kingdom way. Come on, how many of you know it's not just you're lashing out at them. you got to journey them to a place of understanding. We give you language. We give you how to. We, I'm super passionate about this because I am tired of watching a generation end up in overdosing, uh, end up and being trafficked, end up and running away from home. If we had quality voices in the house who knew how to raise kids, I promise you this is a great resource. Teaches you how to confront. What do you do after your kids blow it, which is 90% of parenting, right? This will walk you through into mistake management the kingdom way, raising kings and queens, not just sons and daughters. Please go and pick this up at the back table over there. All right. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yes. Westover, I said, are you ready for the word this morning? Yes. Now, I don't do no quiet church. I'm too Hispanic for that. Hello. All right. Where are the brown people at? Come on, caramel. Yeah, caramel. And we got some chocolate in the room. Where you at, chocolate? Hey, everybody loves chocolate. And we got some whipped cream up in here. Welcome. We, it don't matter what flavor you are. Everybody got a sweet tooth in here. All right? And I don't care what kind of flavor you are. I want you responding to the word. I, 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 I believe the word should have a pull, a demand put on it. And as you speak back to God as his word is being preached to you, I promise you it will unlock and uncork more on the inside of you. So don't go quiet on me or you're going to see this Mexican with a mic get really insecure and I'm going to throw it at my son. All right? So please, please talk back to me. Can you do that? Somebody shout yes. yes. Shout yes. yes. Say, come on, somebody. Say, come on, somebody. It's a big word like mayonnaise. All right? We all don't know how to spell that. All right? Ready for the word? I believe it. Do me a favor. Turn on your Bible. Go to Acts, the third chapter. I truly feel moved by God today. We had a powerful night of signs, wonders, healings, miracles last night. I had a gentleman walk up to me as you're turning there. He said, you know, you were here about five years ago, and I was in an accident, and I had a brain injury. He had a head injury, and his brain shook in his head, which is never good. Um, had a loss of hearing, um, muscle, all kinds of things. He said, but on that night... I remember you calling out for healing, and I got, I, I was a pilot, and because of this injury, I could not fly, and he said, after that night, I just felt like God had done something, and progressively, I have gotten all of these senses back, I am now a pilot again, 
he was in tears saying, I want to be a pilot again. He's now I'm a pilot again. And he said, the only thing left is for my left ear to pop open. And I believe last night it did. I believe that today is going to be a day that marks you with miracles. It's going to be a day. If you've been ailed by some type of disease or incurable situation or unresolved uh, issues, I promise you today's your day of breakthrough. I I feel that for today. In Acts chapter 3, this is a defining moment for Peter. I feel like if God can love Peter, he can love anybody. Because Peter, I mean, you look at Pete. I mean, this guy is on and then he's off. Can anybody identify with Peter? He has good days and bad days. Sometimes he's right, and then sometimes the spirit of stupid comes on Peter, and he has no idea what he's saying and what he's doing. And I told the Lord one day, I said, if you can love this guy, you definitely can love me, right? And so this is one of his better moments, one of his higher prized moments. In Acts chapter 3, we're going to begin eating in verse 1. Follow along with me. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, who was, carried, who, who was carried, whom the people would lay daily at the gate. Everybody say daily. Church, say daily. Who the people lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms for those who enter the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention expecting to receive something from him. Look up at me because I, before we go to verse 6, I have to tell you a true confession. I love verse 6. We have this whole crescendo of a situation happening. It's going to culminate into this very text right here in verse 6. I love verse 6 because verse 6 has supernatural authority all over it. I love verse 6 because it causes us to step out of casual, passive Christianity and move us in to taking ground, supernaturally taking ground. I love verse 6 because the devil hates verse 6, and that's enough to love it for me anyways. I love verse 6 because verse 6 will cause you to make some deep decisions. It'll move you past all of those places of dryness. It'll move you past all of the spiritual irritation or the holy discontentment. It'll move you into position to see God. Verse 6 says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says Peter took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, this man, leaped up, stood, walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Man, church, there is so much here, and we're, we're going to taste it all. But first, let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have coordinated and aligned this moment since the beginning of the existence of time for this hand-picked group of men and women who have chosen to embrace you on this Sunday morning in a different way. I ask that you would meet every bit, every ounce, every drop of expectation in this room. And I speak to this atmosphere, and I say you're full of power, and you're full of healing, and you're full of joy. I come against every limit, every restriction, 
every barrier, every lie, every demonic harassment, I say is broken right now in Jesus' name. And I call every one of you into the kingdom. I call you into the goodwill of God. I call you into your destiny. I call you into your purpose. And I ask for heaven to come closer to you than you ever had before. That it would erupt on the inside of you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it. Amen. Amen. I want to speak to you from this subject called ruined. I wrote a whole book on this. It's out there. But I really feel like this word took on a different posture for me around 2015 and 16 because I felt like God was ruining some people. I think he's been ruining people in their average walk, in their normal lives, in their daily routines. I feel like God has not kept us in the same way as he has in years past because he is ruining us. Now, I'm not talking about a natural ruin where when something's ruined a natural, it loses value. No, no, I, I'm talking about a, a kingdom ruined where when you're ruined, you increase in value. Are you following me? I remember a defining moment in my life. I was raised in West Texas. I was going out to a prayer meeting. I was a youth leader in our church. And a friend and I, we were going to lead this prayer meeting and it was a rough neighborhood, therefore it was a really rough school. And the only reason I knew that is because I got kicked out of this high school. you got to be somebody built different to get kicked out of this high school, okay? And so that's a totally different message. Anyways, and so I remember I'm walking her back to her car, and she's stunned. She's like, where's my car? I said, you parked right here? She said, I parked right here. I said, you sure you parked right here? She said, I parked right here. I said, you can't park here. There's no parking sign right there. You know what she said? They don't mean that. And I said, well, apparently they do because your car is like no longer here. You know, I mean, no, sarcasm was the fruit of the spirit that maybe Paul left off. I don't know. So I, I remember I said, call the number on the sign. Sure enough, she calls the number. They had towed her car away. She said, hey, can you give me a ride? I said, no problem. Dope. I got you. Right? So we're driving over there. This is West Texas. All right? It's bright. It's sunny. It's desert. It's hot. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's brown. Everything's brown. The ground's brown. The food's brown. The people are brown. Everything's brown. It's all brown. All right? If we want to get exciting, we use beige. Ooh, watch out. Okay? So, like, we're driving onto this dirt lot. Hundreds of cars everywhere. There's one sketchy-looking crack house trailer. That we're, it's called the office. And so we walk in, and as soon as the door closes behind us, it's like all the sunlight vanished. There's, it's dark except one light at the end of a long hallway, and it's flickering like this. Just like this. All right? And I don't know what this is, but this is flickering in San Antonio, okay? And so, and so I remember I'm, I'm looking, at, and all of a sudden this figure of a man appears at the end of the hallway. And it yells at us, what do y'all want? And I told my friend, I said, hey, that is talking to you. <laughs> and she's like, I'm the one to park in no park zone. Such a, he's you don't want to park in no park zone? Stop parking no park zone. I'm tired of parking. I'm tired of getting a car. Jimmy, run, 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 you know, now, I don't know what kind of Christians you hang out with, but at this point in my life, I hung out with the crazies because they were always trying to pick a fight with the devil. You ever met this type of Christian? It didn't matter where you went or where I went. They were always trying. They would find demons in trees, car batteries, popsicles. It did not matter. We was punching the devil in the eye today. All right. And so I remember I, I, I'm sitting there as this little troll yelled at us and goes back into whatever it came out of. And then my friend looks at me and with them crazy eyes and she goes, Chris, we have been sent of the Lord here. And I thought, no, 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 no. I said, you have been sent to the Lord here. I knew where to park. And she said, stop playing. I said, you stop playing. She said, come on, let's pray. I said, no. She said, come on, let's pray. I said, fine. So I did what anybody does in this situation. I pretended to pray. 
You, you ever pretend to pray like you pretend to worship like you pretend you're at church? <laughs> let's, let's be honest, right? Today, maybe. So I, like, I, I remember I'm sitting there pretending to pray, and I'm, in, I'm overselling it. Anytime you are not doing something, you have to overdo the fake, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I, man, if I had a tambourine, I'd have done all this because it's all whimsical and holy. Well, then all of a sudden, as I'm not praying, God speaks to me. And he says, son, I want you to wash that man's feet. I said, nah, you wash his feet. He said, son, wash his feet. I said, come here. First off, we don't even know what that is, all right? Secondly, I ain't washing his feet. You wash his feet, right? He's like, son, wash his feet. I'm like, you created it. You wash his feet, right? Like we're going back and forth, and I'm like arguing with God, and then finally I hear the holy pressure of his voice just get the best of me. He's like, son, wash his feet. I'm like, fine. So I sneak back in their little kitchenette they got. They only have cold water. I'm thinking as soon as I pull cold water on this man's hoof, he's going to punch me in the throat. <laughs> so I remember I'm, 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 I'm standing there. This guy comes in. Can't believe parking on parking zone. Who's going to parking on parking zone? Sits down in this chair. And I said, sir, listen. I'm sorry. But listen, we're Christians. And God speaks to us. And he, and he told me that he, he wants me to wash your feet. <laughs> and this guy, this guy went like this. He said, you want to wash my feet? And I, I said, yes. <laughs> and he, honestly, I said, you want to wash my feet? I said, yes. And he goes, okay. And I was like, wait a minute. That's way too fast. This dude's a freak. There's something wrong with this guy. That's way too fast. Right? So I'm sitting there. And sh- I remember I go and take off the shoe, y'all. I, I'm not lying. I still remember the smell, whatever that was. It smelled like death, all right? It was awful. And I remember I took his sock off. I didn't actually, I peeled his sock off like it was a banana, like it was plastic rack around a moist brownie, and I came over the top, and then I came over the back of his heels, and they, he had cracks and crevices in his heels. You could shove a dead elephant body just all up in, ah, it was ready to eat it. And then it came over the top of his feet. He had the hairiest feet you have ever seen in your life. It looked like a bunch of spiders having a meeting on the top of his foot. If the wind would have blown in the building, it would have done this right here. I remember, and then he had a, a, a yellow toenail. Yellow toenail. How does that happen? I'm talking about highlighter, glow in the dark, radioactive. Yellow. I remember in my heart, I said, Lord, this is proof that you hate me. I'll never forget. I'm, I remember looking at the nasty feet. And this is how I started my prayer. I said, Lord, these feet have seen some rough years. And this is how I started. But then all of a sudden, I felt the wind of God come in my spirit and shifted everything. I said, but these are years, the Lord, Lord I, I, these are years that the enemy has stolen from him. In fact, I see that he's married. His wife's name is this. He's got two sons, and their names are this and this. And I see that he's separated from them. In fact, this same thing that happened to his dad and his mom. Same thing that happened to his grandfather. Same thing that happened to his This is a generational curse. And I declare right now by the blood of Jesus that it's broken. And I say that he's a good husband and he's a good father. And I call him into restoration in these years that he's lost. I say are going to be returned to him. And I say for breakthrough. And this big guy in the chair starts crying. He's like. <laughs> and shaking, convulsing. I'm looking at my friend as God's encountering this guy. My friend's in the corner like this. We catch eyes and I'm like, sissy. Like I'm this great man of God or whatever. That man gave his life to Jesus that day. Come on, can we give God praise for that? I've been saying all of that to get to this point right here. 
I am walking out of this trailer, and I am mad at God. I'm like, no, we're going to talk. We're going to talk. Get in the car. Get in the car, sir. Get in the car. Get, you're not going to pull a Jehovah sneaky all of a sudden. You're going to get in this car. You're going to get in this car, right? And, we get in, and I'm mad. And I'm like, God, how am I supposed to live the same? I said, you, uh, uh, not, what are you going to have? You going to have me drive all over uh, my city, washing everybody's patas and just feeling like it's going to be okay? Like, I mean, like, how am I supposed to do life like this again? How am I supposed to go back? I, I said, Lord, I, I feel like you're ruining me. I, I, I said, I, I feel like you're ruining me. And he said, exactly. He said, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. He said, I never promised you you'd have a normal life. And I'm not going to give you normal assignments. I'm going to ruin you for average. I'm going to ruin you for weakness. I'm going to ruin you for mediocrity. I'm going to ruin you for every little bit that you think that I will not give you. I'm going to ruin you to believe me for more and then believe me for more and then believe me for more. I'm going to ruin the way you think. I'm going to ruin the way you pray. I'm going to ruin the way that you approach me. I'm going to ruin the way you do church. I'm going to ruin the way that you do marriage. I'm going to ruin your kids. I'm going to ruin your grandkids because I am the God of the supernatural. I don't raise normal people people I mean I, I remember do you realize since the moment you stepped in here or the moment you started walking he's been trying to ruin you he's not trying to keep you the same he's not trying to keep you in your place of, of flaws and weaknesses and fears he is ruining you and if we're going to be ruined let me give you three things number one don't go back to your normal refuse to go back to your normal the routines the excuses, the relationships, the patterns, the mental models. I'm talking about the poverty mindsets. I grew up Hispanic, and I always grew up trying to survive. When God had to unlearn that in me and then relearn it, I'm here to thrive, not survive. When God, I'm talking about God is trying to mantle you with a crown, not a compromise. God is trying to give you more beyond your normal place of prayer. He's looking for a people who will make room for the new, abnormally new. He's looking for ruined people who say, I don't want the normal of 2023. I want the will of God in my life, and I refuse to accept anything less than that. I will not have a conversation. I will not negotiate. I won't try and get it another way. I want it the way God wants it because I am not going back to normal. You know, the Bible is very clear. This was a certain man who laid let me put it to you like, it says this was a certain man who was laid daily at the gate. This was a specific guy. In other words, this was not an unusual face to Peter. This was a normal face. We find out later in the next chapter in verse 22 that this man had been laid there for 40 years. So when Peter's walking in, he'd seen this beggar for decades. But what made this time different than all the others is he had a different set of options. So you have to understand the journey of Peter just to give it into you in a nutshell. He is called by Jesus in the middle of his job. And then he starts to walk with him for three and a half years. For three and a half years, he is exposed, not just by proximity, but even with his own life. He is exposed by devils being casted out. He is exposed by what is incurable in their medicine in their day and some in ours getting completely healed. He is exposed. I mean, literally, he is seeing the dead rise, food multiplied, storms being shut down. He is exposed to arguing the truths of God or holding and clinging and latching himself onto the truths of God so that even the spiritual elite, uh, elite and snobby could never talk them out of it. He has been literally discipled by Jesus. And now he remembers denying Jesus, but he also remembers Jesus showed up and restored him with, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, right? 
And then he comes into Acts chapter 1 and waits. And he's part of the 120 that get the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit that's now spreading across the globe even in our day. And not only that, he, was, he gets up after he gets the baptism of the Holy Spirit and he starts to preach Jesus to the same crowd that just murdered him. And 3,000 of them get saved at an unannounced meeting. That's a pretty good day of ministry. So then we step into Acts chapter 3. What made this time different? Peter had been ruined. I know that you have gone through trouble, but I would like to submit to you, God is not testing you with trouble. He is trusting you with trouble. This is why you cannot go back to normal. You don't run from giants. You don't run from problems. I'm talking to the men in this room. You don't run from the afflictions. You don't run from the struggle. You face those things. You stare them down in their face. And you call God into the situation. And you watch if a mighty God doesn't move on your behalf in the moment you call on him. Here's the second thing. If, if we're going to be ruined, number one, don't go back to normal. Number two, dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom. God spoke this to me this morning while I was dying on a treadmill. When we gathered in this service, this became dangerous ground. I know that there are some uh, heroes in the room, in our military, in this room. You have been in dangerous ground. You have been in dangerous situations. I know there may be first responders, police officers, firefighters, paramedics. You have been to dangerous ground. Uh, shoot, teachers, administrators, principals, you work at dangerous ground. Let's just be honest. But I'm not talking about this type of danger. I'm talking about this is dangerous ground because it's dangerous to cancer today. It's dangerous to depression. It's dangerous to demons this morning. I'm telling you, it's dangerous to the places that have plagued you for a long time. The things that you've accepted as, well, this is just my normal life. This is the normal pain. I'm just getting older. No, forget that. I'm calling you in and calling you out to believe God for your ruining. You're gonna get healed in your 60s. You're gonna get fresh strength. You're gonna be 70 and you're still gonna have the strength of a 30 year old. I'm telling you, there is a supernatural wind that's blowing through this room. It has been moving in my spirit since I touched down off the plane yesterday and I believe that today, you're getting your breakthrough. No, no, I'm not negotiating with cancer. I'm enforcing the victory with Jesus this morning. I'm not negotiating your divorce pain. I'm enforcing the victory of Jesus. I'm not, I'm not validating any more of the excuses that you have made. I'm calling you in to strange waters so that you could be ruined for normal, never go back to the same that you ever were, and then come into a place where I choose to live in dangerous places because dangerous places are safe places in the kingdom of God. I love this because Peter says, look at us. In other words, I am not what you need. I'm not a physician. I'm not the Messiah. I don't even have the money to get you to the place that you probably think you need. You're begging and you think you need money. No, the truth is, he says, silver and gold I don't have. You know, this is a thought. Just put it on the church folk for just a second. It's interesting because in Peter's day, he says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. In our day... The church has got a lot of silver and gold, but do we have? Just submitting it to you, it's real quiet in this spirit-filled church. It's interesting to me, he says, I'm not what you think I am. What, I, what you think you have, or what you, do you think you need from me? I don't have that, but what I do have, I'll give you in full measure. Rise, walk in the name of Jesus. I believe that's your motto this morning. The last thing 
this morning I want to bring into your eternal focus. Talking about being ruined. Number one, don't go back to normal. Number two, dangerous places are safe place in the kingdom. Number three, our God is the God of right now. I know that, I know you've been given diagnoses. And I'm glad you know the facts. Truly, I am. I'm not against modern medicine. I'm grateful for it. It's helped family members of mine, even myself. I'm glad you know the facts. You know the diagnosis. You know what the problem is. You know where the pain is. You know what the root is. I'm glad you know the facts. But friend, we also know the truth. And the truth is that Jesus died so that you can not just be healed, but be whole. You know what healing is? Healing takes away whatever was there. Wholeness is you could never tell was ever on you. Jesus doesn't want to just heal you. He wants to make you whole. He wants to set you up to be so weaponized as a testimony, a weapon in his hand, that you would cause transformation not just in this church on Sunday mornings, but you would take this after this and go to the place you're eating lunch, and you would take it in Walmart, and you would take it in your place of business, in your neighborhood, into every school campus that you're at. He is always the God of right now. Peter said, look at us, silver and gold, I don't have for you at the moment, but what I do have right now, I'll give to you. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think a lot of people live in the yesterday of God. They live in the good old days. Well, I remember the good old days, Pastor Chris, when this was, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was happening and, and it came out in this measure and we were singing this kind of songs, we were having this kind of church and then they spend the rest of their life running backwards to get back to some pinnacle of their spiritual journey. I'm all for honoring the fathers and mothers that we stand on their shoulders, but at the same time, I want my modern day, I want the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit today. Then there, it says, Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever. I think some people get stuck in forever. I like to call it the someday. Well, someday, Pastor Chris, I'll pray for people. Someday, I'll, I'll, I'll heal people. Someday, I'll prophesy. No, 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 no. There's a space between the good old days and some days. And Paul wrote it like today. I, at least I believe Paul wrote it. Today. He didn't have the English word that we have now. Are you following me? I don't know what, I don't know what pain drove you. I don't know about the accident. I don't know about the betrayal. I don't know about the mental stress. I don't know about the anxiety. I don't, I don't. But what I do know is God is ready to move on your life and you just thought you were coming to church this morning. I want you to believe God for your miracle this morning. 